Welcome back to the Fairview Family Ministry Podcast. Today I have Alice Strickland with me, who is a licensed uh, counselor, and she'll tell you a little bit about herself in this podcast. But we're going to be talking about the very important issue of trauma, tragedy, and how to talk to our kids about those things. It's a wonderful conversation. I think you're going to be blessed. I think you're going to learn, and I think we're all going to become better parents and better disciple makers as a result of this conversation. Well, thank you so much for being here. Uh, Alice, if you would just kind of give us a brief background to who you are, and then we'll kind of jump into our conversation today concerning uh, trauma, talking to our kids about uh, tragedy and those sorts of things. Yeah, so thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. My name is Alice Strickland. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I also have a degree in public health. And what those two degrees together combined have allowed me to do lots of teaching, um, lots of public health kind of initiatives, talking to people about different topics, specifically one that's near and dear to my heart is trauma. Um, I'm also a trauma therapist. I'm an EMDR therapist and also a trainer of the model of EMDR, which is one of the leading um, trauma uh, therapeutic techniques in our field. Um, I have a husband, three kiddos, uh, attend church here at Fairview. And um, one of the things that I love to do in my practice is um, just sit with people. But I, as I'm sitting with people, I'm always sitting in a prayerful way. Um, and so why there may be times where I'm not necessarily sharing my faith because it's not really ethical for me to do that in my practice. Um, I use my faith to strengthen me, to ground me, and to help me hear um, and hopefully see and discern what people need as I'm sitting with them. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation. You know, it's been a, a pretty tragic week in Nashville yes. with the recent shooting and you know, it's one of the bittersweet type of conversations to have, because on one hand, you hope you never have to have conversations right. with your kids about trauma, about tragedy, about violence that they may experience mm -hmm. or see, um, whether, you know, firsthand or, you know, through information that they see that's locally or close by or on the mm -hmm. news. Um, but we really want to start thinking through, you know, what's the best way to understand this topic of trauma and tragedy? Mm -hmm as well as how do I express and, and be there for my kids and share this with mm -hmm. my kids so that they can have a healthy understanding of how to process um, trauma or tragedy when they see it. Um, and then at some point, I would love to chat through, you know, how does our faith kind of impact that as mm -hmm. well? Um, mm -hmm. So if you just want to just give us a maybe it's a, a broad overview of this kind of topic in general, mm -hmm. and then we can get more specific as we go on. Yeah. So when we talk about trauma, there's a couple different uh, forms of trauma that we think about or talk about in my profession. There's what we call big T traumas, which are the big traumas that people kind of think about or relate to trauma, which is like natural disasters, mass shooting or violence, like we saw and experienced on Monday, um, abuse, um, neglect, um, anytime where we feel like we're either experiencing something that makes us feel like our life is in danger. So that could be like a car wreck or it could be an attack. Or if we're witnessing someone um, that we care about or someone that feels important to us who is also being attacked and we think they might die. So that would be kind of our big T trauma. Small T trauma is... Um, these are more relational-based traumas. So um, it could be, for kids in particular, not getting the emotional needs met that they need to get met. Um, 
not necessarily being seen or heard. It could be being belittled. Um, it could be um, things that happen within the caregiver relationship in which they learn, I can't trust others, or I'm less than. Um, so those, could, those are examples of small T traumas. It could also look like public humiliation could be a small T trauma. It's those moments in time where um, we can experience in that moment in our brains that this feels awful and it even feels like I might not make it through it. Um, and our brain interprets that as a life-threatening experience. It can also show up in relationships in terms of like um, infidelity or finding out that um, your spouse is doing something um, that's a betrayal um, or, um, or um, and that can run a whole gamut. Um, it could even be loss, right, when we think about significant loss or grief. So all those can fall within that category of a traumatic experience. Um, and then we, we also have a category called complex trauma. And complex trauma is when the, tr the big T trauma that we talked about is happening at the hands um, or by the hands of a caregiver towards a child. Or the same thing could happen again relationally when a spouse is doing big T trauma, being violent or aggressive with another spouse, with their spouse. Um, we would call that complex trauma. And it typically happens over and over. It's over a period of time and it compounds and makes it, makes the trauma what, you know, it's called complicated for a reason because the symptoms become more complicated. Wonderful. What, um, just thinking through this trauma, what are some things that are normal behaviors or normal mm -hmm. um, symptoms of seeing a kid who is dealing with some of these traumas, whether it's the big sure. or the small T, mm -hmm. what are some identifiers that you would look for or you could see? Yeah. So big T traumas are easier to spot than little T traumas. Um, for kids in particular, you'll see a drastic change in behavior. Um, oftentimes they'll, it's more, kids kind of respond in two different ways. Um, one way that they may respond is by talking about it all the time or playing it out. Um, when we see that, that's a good thing. When we see kids playing it out, because um, that's how kids process. Unlike adults, they don't necessarily talk about it as much. They may, they may mention it or mention their worries or their fears over and over and over to parents, but they may not talk about necessarily the details of what happened. Um, but you'll, you may see it show up in their interaction with their friends or their siblings. They may all of a sudden be more aggressive, uh, may have more acting out behaviors, or they may have what we call more regressive behaviors, which is where they kind of go younger in age. They become more clingy. They want to be kind of snuggled next to you. They follow you around a lot more. They might even be more teary, more whiny. Um, they may all of a sudden want to sleep in your bed or in your room for a little while. Um, they may even um, they may even wet the bed where they haven't done that in a long time. So those are all kind of behaviors that can come out and be pretty normal behaviors that can come up in the aftermath of a, of watching or experiencing a big T trauma. Um, they may the other kind of way that kids can go is avoidance, um, and this is where um, they kind of bottle it in. Uh, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to think about it. Um, they get almost, um, I, I've experienced it in a couple of ways with some kids where it's like, as soon as you mention it, they come almost manic. Like they get real silly. They kind of distract you away from 
mm-hmm. even the topic of it. Um, they don't want to go around certain people or places that reminds them of the trauma. Um, so those are some signs to look for. But the encouraging thing is that I want to make sure people understand is um, the way the Lord made us, like we're actually designed to heal from trauma. Like it's, we're, we have that capability within us, within mm-hmm. our brains, within our neurological system. We can heal from trauma. Um, and we, we have that capability. So just because someone experiences trauma, just because your child experiences trauma, doesn't mean that they're going to be scarred for life, which I think is what a lot of parents really worry and mm-hmm. fear. The, kids are incredibly resilient. Humans are <laughs> incredibly resilient. Um, and one of the things that I hope we'll kind of talk through today is how to help your kid, right? Resolve trauma, um, help them kind of process the trauma that has happened um, or that they've been exposed to. One of my favorite quotes, um, and this is by Gabor Mate, who is one of the leading, he's one of the leading trauma um, specialists out there, but he says, children don't get traumatized because they get hurt. They get traumatized because they're alone with the hurt. And that Mm kind of segues me into, well, how do we help them um, process it? So um, several years ago, when the tornadoes tore through Lebanon, um, for days after that, my girls in particular played Barbie tornado drill over and over and over the barbies would go flying through the air because they got caught in the tornado there was destruction of the barbie houses there was run to the safe place there was all that play happening for up to probably about two or three weeks um and there was even a little friend that when she would come over would process they would play it they would play that game over and over and over with the stuffed animals and then the barbies again And what I knew and I celebrated was that they were processing it just how they needed to process it. That's how kids do it. They do it through their play. And so I kind of left them alone, right? Let them do it. And after a couple of weeks, it stopped. They didn't need to play that game anymore. They switched on and played other games, um, other things. And so they worked it out through their play. And that's how kids do it. Um, and so if we can find ways to engage them with play or in the means that kids use, we can help them process their trauma. Um, there was a, one particular time where um, a kid that I knew who was climbing up something really, really high and got stuck. And while he was up there, everybody's like yelling encouragement to come down, how to tell him how to get down. And he froze, right? He froze. And by the time he got down, he was crying, he was shaking. It was a traumatic experience for mm-hmm. him to say, right, to say the least. Um, and so later on that evening, I just invited him. I just said, I know what happened today felt really scary. I wonder if you can draw me a picture of the worst part about it. What's the part that keeps hanging out for you? And so they drew the picture, and on the picture, it had little people with lots of yelling happening. He had yelling written out, yelling, yelling, yelling. That's all he could hear. He couldn't hear that they were doing encouraging things. He Mm. couldn't hear that they were just offering him solutions. All he heard was loud noise while he stuck up at the top of this thing, right? And so by being able to, I was able to see that, and I said, you know, I wonder if I can tell you, I actually heard what the yelling was. Here's what they were yelling. Did you know that? They were all helpers. They were all trying to help you 
get down. And they were yelling encouragements for you to get down. And that really, it shifted his perspective of the whole thing. And he seemed to be okay with it after that. And so that's another way we can engage children is invite them to draw us a picture of what feels bad about what happened. Um, Write us a story about it. Um, Engage in their play with them. Um, Those are ways. Creating opportunities to actually talk about what happened is one of the things I really encourage parents to do. What can happen for parents is we think, well, if we talk about it, then they actually might be more traumatized, right? <laughs> um, so we're just not going to talk about it, and we're going to wait and look for signs that of, of something's wrong. Um, really, what it, I think it's because we're uncomfortable talking about it, and we're unsure of what the kids may say or ask <laughs> that we may not know how to answer, sure. right? And so it can be hard to, to broach the conversation. But whenever trauma happens, kids need to know two things. They need to know that what happened actually is um, a normal experience that every person on the face of the earth is going to go through a traumatic experience at some point in their life. Um, and so they need to know that it's norm- what they felt was normal, the scared feelings, the angry feelings, the wanting to run, the wanting to kick or hit back, the wanting the, the frozen feeling of I can't move, or even the disconnected feeling that can happen where we feel disconnected from the whole moment of even our bodies, mm-hmm. and it feels almost like an out-of-body experience. All those are normal. So they need to know that. They need to hear that from their caregivers. And then they also need to know that whatever they did to help get through that traumatic experience was exactly what they needed to do mm-hmm. because it worked. They got through it, right? <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah, those are those are all wonderful kind of steps to think through. I know for me, so the tornado was a topic in our household mm-hmm. as well. Um, even to this day, and yep. a storm comes through, mm-hmm. either Jonathan or Mason will mention, yeah. you know, how bad is this storm going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, cause they remember that they remember being woken up yeah. at one o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and you know, our house at that time was a little bit closer. So we were able to hear some of the, mm-hmm. the winds and all that kind of stuff yeah. um, down the street. And so they have an experience and, you know, sometimes for me as a parent, when they do express concerns, I want to just reassure them that they're safe and that they're Mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. But I don't necessarily think to myself, okay, this is a child who's actually Mm -hmm. struggling with trauma or their need to process Mm -hmm. through it. It's just like, okay, maybe I can help them feel more comfortable, more secure, but uh, sometimes I don't have those conversations um, to actually walk through it. What would be some like key questions to Mm -hmm. ask your kids when something traumatic happens? Yeah. Um, Whether, I mean, if you're trying to do it through play or whatever, what what are some of those Mm -hmm. questions to ask? Yeah. So I think the number one thing to think about is curiosity, coming at it from a place of curiosity. Um, It's okay for you as parents not to know, Um, but you can be curious and oftentimes kids can actually come up with solutions on their own. So I may ask something like, I wonder what that felt like. Um, Is there things about that that happened that make you feel really bad? What are some of those things? Are there things that maybe feel confusing about what happened? Um, Are there things that you, you don't really know how you feel about it? So just being curious is a really good first step to take. Mm. Um, And then even when you're engaging with the play, if they're playing with characters, you can talk and ask questions about the characters. 
because the characters actually embody what the kid is um the, the characters of the play usually is the it's it's like the personification of the sure. child, right? And so you can ask, well, I wonder what Wolfie here, what little Wolf is feeling about mm-hmm. this, about the tornado that's tearing through, you know? Sure. What I wonder what he wants to do. I wonder, does he want anybody with him? Who does he need to have with him? You know? Mm-hmm. And so just asking questions and that that can you can be curious and through the curiosity you find out quite a bit with kiddos. So um, another question that is always trying to help kids connect with um, what's happening in their bodies, because when trauma happens, one of the first things we do is disconnect. Um, And we have to do that to go into our survival mode. And so I may ask something like, yeah, so when you hear the storm coming, or when you see the storm, what's happening? And is your heart beating really fast? Mm -hmm. I wonder, can we put our hand over our heart and just feel that for a second? wonder what our heart might need right now, Hmm. right? Or might say, does your tummy feel tight? Does it feel like it's hurting right now? I wonder, can we just put our hand on our tummy? And let's see if we can breathe like real slow to our tummy. All that is just bringing attention to the places where we're feeling that in our bodies, Mm -hmm. um, but then also inviting them a solution to help reset their nervous system as it's in that activated state. Wonderful. Yeah, I think... You know, thinking back on just how we've handled some situations with our boys, um, there are times where like Mason will have, you know, he'll be upset or something. Mm-hmm. And it's a simple act of, I just need you to breathe. That's like, right. yeah, I just need That's you right. to like, you know, you're not going to be able to think sure. clearly or think through yeah. this if, you know, you're just so emo- yeah. emotionally driven and we want to, you know, talk about their emotions. Mm-hmm. But first I just need you to breathe. That's right. You know, That's and right. I need you to you know, get yourself into mm-hmm. a state where we can actually talk and yeah. think through these things. Um, how would you handle? So, you know, those are things that we've experienced here, you know, given the kind of violence that we saw this mm-hmm. week, when it's kind of secondhand, when we're right. on the news, our kids may not even be aware of right. what has happened. Mm-hmm. You know, as parents, how do we talk with our kids about the evil that we see in the world mm-hmm. and um, prepare them for mm-hmm. the reality of um, unfortunately, what is out there? Right. Um, how would how would you approach that subject, um, knowing that it they may not even know about it, sure. they may not be even feeling trauma from it, yeah. not knowing it. But how would you talk mm-hmm. through them yeah. with them through that? So I would say if they're school age, they probably know more than you think they do. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they've just picked up. They pick up on a lot. Um, the other thing is, I would say anytime we're we're giving we're talking through something hard with kids. Um, do not a lot of detail, but stick to the facts. Okay. Um, so for example, like Monday night, I knew when my kids went to school the next day, they were, it was going to be all over the school. So they didn't know Monday any all mm-hmm. day long. Cause we don't watch the news in front of them. Um, they just, there's not a, the news isn't something that kids can really process, right? Mm-hmm. I think adults can't even, I, I don't <laughs> even like to watch the news myself. I can't even process it half the time. Um, but what, when we sat down and I just said, there was something that happened today in Nashville and I want you to know about it because there's going to be a lot of talk about it tomorrow. And I want you to know, hear it from mom and dad, like what did happen and Mm -hmm. what we know so far. Right. And so I kind of started that way. And I just said, there was a shooting. There was someone that got into a school and they shot three children and three Mm -hmm. teachers. Um, and so 
you know, in that moment, I could see different emotions depending mm-hmm. on the, the personality of each of my kiddos. Um, one started tearing up immediately. Another one had shock and then mm-hmm. fear mm-hmm. on their face. And then the other one had lots of just right in, they went right into lots of analytical questions. Sure. Um, and so every kid's going to respond differently. And so I kind of then based on, I shared this information, now I'm going to watch my kid and I'm going to see what do they need based on how they're processing what's happening right now. So my one that teared up, I invited them to come cuddle closer. Mm-hmm. Let me just hold you for a second. Let's talk through what's what what happens what happened for you right when I told you that. What was happening in your heart? Mm-hmm. What were you feeling? And so we were talking about feelings about it. Um, and then I asked after we kind of talked through their feelings about hearing the news because that's about the only details I gave mm-hmm. was just the simple details of that. Um, and then I, I wanted them to know that um, because it's really important for kids to understand that there's adults around them working hard to keep them safe. So then the next thing I said was, so what are ways that you already know the adults in your school work really hard to make sure you guys are safe and you can have fun and relax at school and feel safe? And so we talked about there's an SRO officer on sure. site. We talked about the double doors. We talked about the locked doors. We talked about lockdown drills. Mm-hmm. And I even asked, I was like, tell me about the lockdown drills. What do you do? What do you, what, have, what has been the instructions? And so we talked through different scenarios and then they even brought up scenarios. So we just talked through some of that. And then I, you know, then I kind of circled back and asked, how do you feel now? How do you feel now that we've kind of talked through it? And their emotions had changed about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just let them know that, there's, if there's any other thoughts or questions that happen over the next couple of days or weeks, they can always just come back and circle back and ask me about it. And I'd be happy if I don't know, we'll figure it out together. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the key pieces is when we give kids the facts, not a ton of detail, not even really our opinion about it. <laughs> Let them because, you know, they're they're trying to learn to form their own opinion about things. Um but, you know, from a faith perspective, one of the things we did talk about, too, is how, you know, we pray every morning over our space. We believe that the Lord is with us, yeah. right? And, um, you know, this didn't come up in that conversation, but I know it will, and it will in some households of, well, if was, the, was God not with those people, mm-hmm. right? Those really hard questions that might come up. And so... Um, what I invite parents to really do in those hard, when those hard questions happen is um, to dive into, you know, the talk really frankly, right? God doesn't say that we're not going to go through really hard things or even experience death. Mm-hmm. He doesn't ever promise that. What he does is promise that his presence will be with us always so that um, we're not alone in it. And so offering that and beginning to teach that is one of the best gifts you can give your kids Mm -hmm. is what it's like to feel connected to someone who loves you unconditionally in the midst of some of the hardest, scariest experiences that you will have throughout your lifetime. Mm -hmm. Thank you for bringing that kind of segue into the faith aspects. I think, you know, there's one aspect where we want to teach our kids how to process their emotions, what's going through their mind. But, you know, as Christians, you know, we want to form their faith as well. And, and God often uses very difficult times in order to do that, to form our character, to form the way that we see the world, the way that we process and, and kind of um, 
really build um, confidence, not only in what God can do, but his future plan for us. And when we can get into these moments of insecurity, that often reflects into our own spiritual walk as well, insecurity in God, insecurity in, you know, his provision. Uh, Oftentimes when these things happen, the problem of suffering and evil is always at the forefront. You know, how can a God allow something like this to happen? Mm -hmm. I think you said it perfectly. God doesn't promise Mm -hmm. that these things won't happen. And so, um, was one thing, one of the things that I talked about this past week with our students, um, you know, I can give the theological answer. We live in a fallen world. God didn't make it this way. Like that's all the theological answer. I don't know how much comfort that gives, but I hope it (laughs) gives some, but I think what's more, pressing for us. And what actually is more impactful for me is thinking through, we're coming up on Easter, you know, Jesus didn't just go to the cross to die for our sins. When he went to the cross, he actually experienced the worst things about what it means to be a human. Mm -hmm. So he knows what public humiliation Mm -hmm. looks like. Mm -hmm. He knows the fear of death. You see that in the garden. Like yeah. he's afraid mm-hmm. he doesn't want to die necessarily, you know, right. like, right. you know, he asked for a different way. Right. He knew he needed to do it. And eventually he sacrificed himself for that. But you see him walk through betrayal of friends mm-hmm. and all these different things. You see him being tortured and, yeah. and he walks through all that experiencing the hardest things about what it means to be a human. Mm-hmm. And so the cross, as much as it is about saving us from our sins, it's also about identifying with us so that he can say things like, take heart, I've overcome the world. You can have peace because I've walked through this as well. Mm-hmm. And so um, for me, that's a little bit more reassuring yeah. um, to know that, yeah, the world's fallen, sin happens, evil happens, and I can't wait for the day where it doesn't happen. Sure. But it's so good to know that we have a, a have a God who identifies with us, mm-hmm. who has walked through the pain as well, who's just as grieved about it as we are, mm-hmm. who hates violence and um and while one hand we can ask god where are you there's probably a lot of things that god has intervened in that we don't even get to see on an everyday basis and we it's one of those moments where we have to trust him and believe that he has what's best or he can use at least the most evil things that happen at the hands of people and he can create those things for good and for our for our benefit and for our and our for you know, to help us grow in him. And so as I think through faith, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking through how can I inform my kids about this Mm -hmm. and help form their character and their outlook? Yeah. Um, Any thoughts about how you would further do that? Yeah. So two thoughts come to mind. One, there is, so there's a, kids go through developmental stages, right? Mm -hmm. From um, infancy all the way up into adulthood. And there's different stages. There's only certain capacity for what they can think, do, behavior-wise, mm-hmm. sure. cognitive-wise, right, a- according to the different stages they're in. There's also a, a moral and spiritual development process that goes through that. And so what I'd say is for your teenagers, yeah, they're in a place where what you just said, they could get that and process sure. that. I think when we're thinking about younger kiddos, um, their, their understanding of God and God's love and who God is is going to com- come through the parents or caregivers examples of that. Okay. So um, when the parent or caregiver can um, hold space and have the hard conversations and comfort their child when they're experiencing whatever they're experiencing um, related to trauma um, or asking the hard questions, when we can like be with that child 
um, in a, and we're grounded, right? We're rooted and grounded in the Lord mm-hmm. in that moment. Then we are essentially a conduit of them being able to experience what you just described mm-hmm. through us, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, so there's that piece. I think it comes in the our own maturity as care- parents and caregivers in our own spirituality to be able to um, sit with a kid after they've experienced or witnessed something traumatic and being able to be essentially the hands and feet of God in that moment, right? Um, and then th- kids also, younger children learn by watching. So they're going to watch parent, caregiver, how you respond um, in the face of hard things or traumatic things. And so they're going to see um, they, they're going to learn how to, um, what's their way to do it in the world based on how you mm-hmm. do it. So when you mentioned that, I was thinking through the aftermath of Monday and I was seeing this on Twitter, mm-hmm. on Facebook, parents coming out very strong yeah. about the fear yes. that they're having yep. with their kids being mm-hmm. sent, sent to school. Yes. I saw a lot of, you know, it's not a anti or pro statement on homeschooling, but there's a lot of people who are, you know, were like, this is why I do this, or this is why I don't do that. And, you know, I, as you mentioned, I was thinking that what is, how does the kid start to understand Mm -hmm. that? You know, is that, does that reinforce fear Mm -hmm. the next day? Mm -hmm. You know, my Mm -hmm. parents are scared, you know, um, Anyways, that just came to mind. Yes. And mm-hmm. what's like the proper way? Because I think, you know, there is genuine yeah. you know, concern. But how as a parent do we temper wanting mm-hmm. to make sure that we balance our concern with then maybe reinforcing fear? Yeah, that's a great question. And I want to stay away from right way because I don't think there's one right way, sure. to be honest. Um, I think there's opportunity for repair. That's what I would say. I I always need those moments myself. So I think um, being able to be honest that you're afraid is important because kids need to know that when I'm an adult, it's okay for me to be afraid. Mm -hmm. They also need to hear the follow-up of what do you do with your fear? Okay. How do I handle my fear? And and if they're hearing I'm afraid and then they see you reaching out and starting attacking others out of fear, they just learned something with that. Um, I'm reminded of this story. Um, if you remember, this was years ago, um, the Boston Marathon shooting, mm-hmm, yeah. right? Um, I heard about a story of there was a mom and a child there. And when um, chaos broke out and the mom was trying to get her child and her child was frozen and crying and looking around and trying and like frozen in fear. And the mom was trying to get the child to run. And finally, and the mom was like panicking and trying to run too and dragging. So finally, mom just like stopped, turned around, turned down, like got down on her knees, looked her child in the face and said, I'm scared too, but look for all the helpers. There's a lot of helpers. It's not just people trying to hurt. Mm -hmm. And I have always like just, I remember that. Because I think that's a that's a beautiful example mm-hmm. of how we can operate as Christians in the face of something like this. Like I'm afraid, mm-hmm. and um, I feel the fear of the evil. Sure. Right? It is scary. It's terrifying. And I'm going to make a conscious choice to look for God's goodness. I'm going to keep looking for God's goodness all around me. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to choose to do. And it has to be very intentional mm-hmm. because it's not our go-to response, right? 
definitely not mine. I'm definitely more anxiety-based myself. I'm (laughs) more fear-based. I've had to learn through lots of work and lots of discipline and practice of what it's looked like to recognize when I'm in the middle of fear and I'm, I'm discharging fear on everybody Mm -hmm. around me instead of, um, doing what I know feels better for me and is true to, um, my faith practice, Mm -hmm. which is to pause and get grounded in where is God's goodness in the middle of this? Where is God's goodness? It feels really far away, but I'm going to just, I'm determined to find it. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a good word. That's a good word. Well, we're wrapping up. We're almost out of time. So we have some resources that you have sent to me and I'll make in the show notes, any kind of, uh, just quick talking points on that, on the resources you provided. Yeah. So, um, a couple of the resources, there's one that's, um, from Berkeley, a great article on, um, um, talking to your children after a big traumatic event. Um, there's another one in there. The child trauma Institute is a great website that has lots of different resources. Um, and then there's a couple other just additional ones on top of that, that I've thrown in there. Um, but they all have lots of really good resources, not just the ones I sent you, um, the articles that I sent you, but they're, they're my go-tos, um, that I look for. Okay. Perfect. Well, I will put those in the show notes so that all of our listeners and parents of Fairview will get that. Uh, thank you so much for being on today's podcast. I think it was wonderful. I think it's going to help a lot of our parents and I know I was blessed by hearing it and, um, just encouraged that mm-hmm. even as you said at the very beginning, we, you know, we were built to handle trauma yeah. and we can get through it. Um, and as parents, you know, we have the blessing to be able to talk to our kids about this. Um, you know, that it really is a blessing mm-hmm. that we get to walk through that with them um, and hopefully show them a good example as well in our own lives on how to, to process through, yeah. through trauma and tragedy. But thanks. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. If you need those resources, they're going to be down in the show notes. Also, please leave a like, review, or follow wherever you're listening to this podcast. We hope this not only blesses those that attend Fairview Church, but also abroad. We really think this could be a wonderful episode to share with your friends. And so if you would do that, that would be awesome. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me at jspolino at myfairview.org. And we hope you guys have a blessed weekend. We love you all. See you next time. Bye.